So, big welcome to everyone. <laughs> Senior Pastor Chuck Blair, great to have you joining us today. We have a wonderful service ahead for you around New Church Live. And today's service is, is pretty simple. It's, it's going to look at the theme of how can love open the door. We're going to look at the open door. And can you guess what the name of the open door church is in the Bible? Not that anyone would know this. The name is Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. And before we get started with the service, Angela is here with a few announcements for our audience. Good morning and welcome to New Church Live. My name is Angela Cooper and I work here. My role is plugging people into the New Church Live community. And I wanted to let you know about a community service opportunity that we wanted to share with you. We have a local farmer. He actually spoke at New Church Live a few weeks back and he runs a cattle farm. And he reached out to Pastor Chuck, letting him know that now is a great time. He has some cows that are ready to be processed. And in the past, we've had people donate those um, to support that. And he has donated the meat at cost. And he would like to do that again. And we were hoping to purchase either a half or quarter cow to be donated to the local Northeast area. We have a community service organization called Helping Hands Northeast that will distribute that meat. And it's a great time to do that because there's a lot of food insecurity out there and getting high quality meat is something that's actually really hard and not often donated. So we really were excited about the opportunity to make a big impact on the local community. And then we were thinking about ways to, you know, maximize that donation. So we want to support everyone donating to this local beef distribution, but our commitment at New Church Live is to match every dollar that is raised for the local beef distribution and to donate the matching gift to Heifer International, which is an international organization that supports uh, communities all around the, the world. Their, their mission is to support communities by training farmers, donating animals, and sustainably working to end poverty. So we thought if we donated locally that New Church Live would match that gift and be able to have a global impact and really help support people all over the world and their efforts to, you know, elevate their communities and help out you know, raising people out of poverty. So we're really excited about this. If you want to make a donation, you can do it the same way you contribute to New Church Live. You can text the word New Church Live, all one word, all lowercase to 77977. And there's a community service um, drop-down menu that you can select. And we will make sure that all of that goes to this initiative. Um, or you can go to our website and you can make a donation that way. Um, and it's just a really great way to get involved, support the local Northeast Philadelphia area, but also have an impact on the larger um, world. So we hope that you'll get excited about this. If you have any questions, you can email me. Um, we're really excited about it and we hope you are too. So thank you everyone and happy Sunday. So big welcome to New Church Live. And just so you know, that meat program sure is fun. It was great seeing it. It started with a couple in Western Pennsylvania who sponsored beef up in Northeastern Pennsylvania, who then helped to, to feed homeless folks and folks struggling down in Southeastern Pennsylvania. That's the kind of thing that we can do in this world that sure is exciting. And as the musicians come out, the other thing we can do as well that's super exciting is having guest musicians the whole way from Columbia joining us today. So great to have you folks here. Welcome to New Church Live. 
Oh, man. That's so stinking good. And if it's just your first time at New Church Live, it's all downhill from here, just so you're fully, you're fully aware. So, so today, you know, a super fun service. And I, I want to start out by saying we do a lot of texting here in church. So I, I met with a couple of wonderful people yesterday, had, uh, you know, it was, a, it was around a heart event, but, but there was a lot of heart around this heart event, which was a memorial service for, for a dear person. And, and, you know, we're connecting and, and um, talking about how is it that we can create communities because these, these communities are so important. So important. And they become this fabric, this fabric in which we can celebrate when times are good and support each other when they're not. So community really matters. And so part of that building community here at New Church Live is we text a lot during church, which I know might sound strange to some of you, but you'll see my number coming up. It's 215-740-3662. And you're welcome to text me if you're watching on the West Coast and it's evening. You're welcome to text me at night. You're welcome to text me during the service, just with different points or questions or, or reaching out, which people do all the time. So, so today we're looking at this, at this fascinating thing, right? And, and it's interesting, there's parts of um, American history that we forget about. One is just this simple fact. Philadelphia is named after a church in the Bible. You know, not that many people know that our beautiful city is actually named after a church in the Bible. And that's how Philadelphia got to be known as the city of brotherly the city of brotherly love. And that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at this idea of, yeah, what is it to be a city based around love? And then how can that actually end up opening doors for us? And I'm going to be really clear. Opening doors is not just some sort of some Pollyannish, like, my life is just an open door. It actually takes work. It actually takes discipline. Because I spend a lot of time closing doors. And I imagine you're the same. So how is it that we, we really look at this idea of open door and what is an open door church and a city? And, and before we get into that, folks, I want to say this, a little bit of an aside about how we use that word church here in the Christian New Church denomination. We believe that, yep, there is such a thing as a very specific church. We also believe this idea of the church universal. Una one verse song. You know, there's this church of one song, and that could be a Jewish synagogue, that could be a mosque, that could be any, a Quaker meeting, that could be any number of things. And it's parts where we all share the same heart. So there's not only a church kind of at this global level, a church universal, there's also a very specific church that all of us can belong to institutionally, the Christian New Church, and then, and then there's also an even more specific church, which is the church that we hold inside our heart and souls. If I was to interview each one of you here, or each one of you online, you would have a different definition. If I say, well, what are the three most important things about, a, about spiritual life? You'd all list different things. I mean, as long as you have love in there somewhere, you're good. But you'd all list different things. And that's the beauty, right? Is, is there's nothing wrong with that. It's actually, there's a lot right with that. And that idea of that individual church, that's what we are building, and then we're building it through particular institutions, and then it goes out into denominations, out into communities, out into the world. Interestingly, total aside, the word denomination, 
actually means to not name, like destroy or deconstruct. And as we move outward denominationally, I think that's what the church universal really speaks to. A church that's beyond names because it's so much based on our heart. So much based on sharing. So much based on love. Just that simple. Now, with looking at this idea of the open door, we're going to look at the book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation, it's very different than other books of the Bible in that it's very sort of poetic, very mystical, uh, you know, the language is very poetic. It's not like a history book. Like a lot of these are, are histories of this from this with teachings from God interspersed in there. This is not a history per se. This is much more along the lines of poetry. So John, one of the disciples who followed Jesus, what happened was he made a decision and he said, uh, not me, excuse me, he was called to an island, which he ended up being sent to this island. He has a vision there and he records this vision. And, and I'm going to step to talk about like what, what this vision actually looks like. In this vision, he goes to a place and he says, well, this is, this is kind of my image of what heaven looks like, of what churches are. And, and he has this image of God, of Jesus standing there. And around, around Jesus are seven lampstands, in other words, seven tall lamps. And in Jesus' hand are seven stars. Now that seven, we believe, pictures a completeness. And each one of these pictures a different church, quote unquote. And I want you just to take a breath and to just allow in the genius of that image. He's saying, look, if I'm going to describe this, this Christian message, if I'm going to describe faith, and I think he's meaning faith like this and faith in a broader way, there's seven perspectives on it, all of which form the church. Now, of course, if it's you or me, we want to know which one of those lampstands is right. <laughs> Do I answer A or B or C? Like, which one's right? And I don't think that's the point of it. The point of it is that they all are there, and they all are different perspectives, and they all represent different parts of us, different parts of our institutions, different parts of the world, different parts of spirituality. And our job is an open door where we hold all of those. And the church of Philadelphia is the church that holds the open door, that holds it all. As we look at that, folks, I want to read this to you, and it's, it's a beautiful passage, and it, it beautiful concepts around what the open door actually is. This is from Revelation 3, and I'm going to be skipping around here a little bit, but we're going to start out with Revolution, Revelation 3, 8. I know your deeds. So again, God and God, God keeps on saying like, hey, as a church, I know you're trying. I know what you're doing. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet, which could be, could be translated humility there. I know you have little strength. I know you are humble. Yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I am coming soon. This is hopping up to verse 11. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on that person my new name. He who has a year, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So that's, again, it's, it's a very 
mystical image, but it, but it really has a ton of beauty in it. And, and you look at that line, Revelation 3.8, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. So what does that mean, like, to really live, to really live, well, it's just a little bit, to really live in an open door as much as we can? What does that mean? Well, I, I think of an open door like this, folks, and this is, this is where, you know, as I was putting this sermon together, I thought this is the tricky part to try to communicate or for us to, I should really say, for us to experience together. Open doors are decisions. Open doors are how we grow. Open doors are decisions. Open doors are how we grow. It's so important, folks, to, to understand that and to, and to see this as, as these are actual, real decisions. It's, it's you know, I, I've always loved the study of leadership. And, uh, you know, when I was younger, first career, you know, it was, it was pretty common for, for a boss or a, or a supervisor to say, hey, I have a suggestion box. You can write your suggestion and put it in there. Now, how many people actually did that? <laughs> None. Not that many, right? It, it, it is an appearance of an open door, but it's not really a decision for an open door. It's sort of like, checkbox, I got an open door. This is about a decision that we're going to talk about, like an actual decision. And you will know it's a decision if, I, if you feel at least a little bit uncomfortable at some point in time in, the church, in church today. That we should all feel a little bit called out. Because where aren't we having the open door? Where are we shutting the door? And sometimes I think we can shut it to really good things that Brene Brown called foreboding joy. You know, in other words, we can't allow something good to happen because as soon as you do, you're forgetting that the shoe's about to drop over here. And sometimes we can shut the door as well to the real, to the, to the real negative stuff of life as well. Open door is both and. Open door is open. And it, it, it's, it's an opening where we have to constantly work at it. Because that's how our world, that's how our churches, that's how our communities, that's how they start to change. Now, I want to say this, folks. You know, this idea of the open door, this is an ancient, ancient, ancient image. Going way back, going way back. It goes way back to the cities of refuge. And then we're going to talk about the New Jerusalem, which gets referred to here. We'll look at both of those stories. Now, the cities of refuge were, was a fascinating concept. So I'm going to read for you what the cities of refuge were. So, so this actually, the cities of refuge actually predate what we're reading by about 2,000 years. So if you think 2,000 years ago, what we read was written, and 2,000 years before, there was this concept of the cities of refuge. This is, then the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you cross the Jordan into Canaan, Select six towns to be your city of refuge, to which a person who has killed someone accidentally may flee. They will be places of refuge from the avenger, so that anyone accused may not die before they stand trial before the assembly. Now, it's, it's easy, folks, to look at that and, uh, you know, what, is that, what does that mean? You know, sounds, it's, it's, it's very old language. What that means is that if, if somebody committed manslaughter, in other words, they accidentally hurt or harmed or killed someone, they could flee to one of these cities. And when they fled to one of these cities, 
They could be in that city for a given period of time until the chief priest died, etc. But but that, that idea was that this was to be a refuge. It was to always have an open door. Well, why? Why? Because they were trying to get away from the idea of blood revenge. They're trying to say this, this old archaic idea of, of, of like somebody kills, kills a loved one, then it's a vendetta, I've got to kill them. It's, it's, it's God saying, no, we have to figure out something different. We have to figure out this new way of being. We have to figure out a way to have, it talks about how straight these roads have to be so that people could run down them. You have to have these roads that go to cities of refuge. Now just think about that. Right? I mean, there's a whole sermon there about how critical and how beautiful that concept really is. Because it's, again, ending that idea of transaction and leaning clearly towards the idea of mercy. Now, what about this other image? This other image is, I find it just beyond beautiful. So 2,000 years ago, you had this idea of cities of refuge, 4,000 years ago, you had this idea of cities of refuge and how incredibly, overwhelmingly beautiful that image is. And, you know, it also brings up in my mind, yeah, what if, we, what if, what if each of us just was a city of refuge for someone? And what could that look like? And then there's this other beautiful image that comes right from the section we're reading 2,000 years ago about the New Jerusalem. So if we think of the cities of refuge as being about forgiveness, that's a key part of the open door, forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. And then we shift into this idea of the New Jerusalem, and I'll tell you about that image here in a minute, and we see that as openness. This, this image, by the way, folks, probably is, 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 one could argue, is the most significant image in Christian New Church theology. And in my mind, it comes down to this beautiful line from Revelation in describing this city. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. So, so the, the image here, folks, it's, it was this image that John had of like, oh, this is the way this is the way it could look. Like, this is the dream of the future. And it was this beautiful city descending onto the earth. And the city was immense, around 1,200 miles on a side. Now, again, as I preach all the time, like on this, because it's such a beautiful image, is most people maybe travel 10 miles in their life. So a city of 1,200 miles was beyond what they could ever imagine. And then here's this city, and this is so beautiful. Here's this city. It's got three gates on the north, three gates on the east, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Doors always open, light always on. Doors always open, light always on. What's the image? What's the power? Well, each one of these gates, folks, by the way, was around 30 miles across. <laughs> Just picture that. And from a Christian perspective, from a new church perspective, we think that represents, again, coming to things in the round. Coming to things from the north, from the south, 
from the east, from the west, coming at these things from the round and welcoming all these perspectives in. Embracing them. Knowing that we all share a true north. Think about that. I mean, this afternoon, I, I'm honored to be doing a beautiful baptism after church. That's so what I'm going to talk to the family about. Talk to them about a compass, and a compass points to the true north. And it's not a true north that only I have. It's not like, well, I got true north on my compass, and you don't. It's about saying, we all share the true north. We all share it. Now, some people are blind to it. Some people can't hear it. Some people are asleep. That's okay. It's in there somewhere. And that's that bit of like, can we go back to understanding that true north and welcoming all these perspectives in? You can see how it goes right in with this idea of seven lampstands, seven stars. And I think a really, really good place to be is to be firmly committed to that. Not just in a Pollyannish way, but firmly committed to that kind of open door. And what happens, well, what happens is this. As the musicians come out, what happens is this, is salt. Jesus had this great line where he said, look, I want you to be the salt of the world. It's not that we end up being the whole thing. It's not that we end up being the whole meal. We end up being that piece that gives flavor. And I think what gives flavor are people, churches, synagogues, mosques, institutions, communities that welcome people from all four gates. And never forget this. Never forget this. That we're all brothers and sisters. That we are all brothers and sisters. It was, it was so fun watching them practice this morning, and, and they, the three of them had this look of like, nailed it, you know? And they did. They stuck the landing on that one. Beautiful song. You know, folks, you just, just imagine that, right? Like, I think so much of life is this, is, is four perspectives. We bring people all in, and, and we start chatting, and then, then, it, then at some point in time, someone pulls out a compass, and they're like, oh yeah, this is true north for me. And then everybody starts talking about pulling out their compasses, and then all of a sudden there's this realization of like, all our compasses are pointing the same way. Like, isn't that cool? Right, that, that true north. Now, now, variety is perfection. We all come at it from different places and, and, and different views, and that is what starts to make it perfect. A piece here from Christian New Church Theology, from the book Divine Providence, The Nature of Heaven, the nature, the very core, the soul of heaven is to provide a place where all who lead good lives, true north, no matter what for, is heaven, is to provide a place for all those who lead good lives, no matter what their religion may be. That is not just a good idea. We are commanded to do that. I want to say that again. That is not just a good idea. We are commanded to do that, to live that, to breathe that, to be that. And what do we start to discover there? We start to discover a place where, 
where, boy, you know, the amount of stuff we share is incredible. Even this morning, I was doing like last tune-ups on, on the service today, and, and this came across my feed. This was a, a letter that Pope Francis wrote this morning, and he's talking to a, actually a Philadelphia, a Philadelphia pastor. He says, uh, God's heart is open to each and everyone. He is a parent. Listen to this, folks. Take a breath first, because I want you, all of us to really hear this. God's style, he has that in quotes, has three elements. Closeness, compassion, and tenderness. This, this is how he chooses to come close to each of us. Closeness, compassion, tenderness. All of those, so much part of the way a, a, a true north can look. So, so what can get in the way? Like, where, where might our work be? And it was interesting looking at different pieces, and one that really struck me was a particular section of new church thought, and, and it was this idea of, of imaginative theater. Imaginative theater. What does that mean? Well, it was said in this context that, that a lot of the time we believe that the work of repentance in other words, this work of changing our mind, repentance, metanoia, metanous, meaning to change our mind, to rethink, and rethinking and re recalibrating, that it's really all about the really high emotional moment and the really low emotional moment. Now, I want to start by saying emotions are part of our experience, and in no way, shape, or form do I ever want to say, like, oh, i got to get rid of emotions. That's not, not it at all. It's understanding that emotions are part of the experience, and they're not fully the work. They're not fully the work. I, I was reading up on this, this concept, and, and uh, you know, I think about, this is, this, I'm sound, some days I sound like such an old curmudgeon. Remember the Muppets, those guys up in the, in the booth used to complain? Well, I'm gonna be that guy up in the booth here for a minute. And uh, complaining. And, and you know, I, I look at shows, uh, some of the shows that are on, where it's all like this contrived, manufactured drama. Right? And I'm, I, I shouldn't even say this show because probably somebody in here it's their favorite show, so I won't say it. It just begins with B and ends with Atchler. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, it's just all this contrived drama, 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 drama. And, and, and this one author said, well, why do we like all this drama, all this imaginative theater? And they had a great line. He said, we like it because we're bored. <laughs> it's a good line. We like it because we're bored. We're bored, so we watch it. That's it. That idea, folks, that we, that we have to look at that and, and, and we have to move beyond just that imaginative theater to what the work actually looks like. And that's, again, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of social media, though our church is absolutely reliant on it. It's, it's, it's a challenge because, because so much of, of, um, of, of social media is based on imaginative theater, theatrics, based on this way of presenting ourselves and arguing that we would never do if we were actually, actually in person. So folks, if, if the open door is not about that imaginative drama, what is it about? Well, and there's, I mean, there's a million ways we could answer that. One might be forgiveness and openness. Cities of refuge, the New Jerusalem. 
forgiveness and openness. Forgiving of God, forgiving of others, forgiving of life, forgiving of ourselves, for giving. Somehow, when we can place ourselves, we can say, yeah, I am for giving, we'll find an openness. And it's an openness where we actually start to learn to actually trust life. Because if we don't trust it, we're going to be opening and shutting doors all the time, even to the smallest little things. Now, of course, the important caveat is, are there times, are there relationships we have to release? Are there times where there has to be a division? Obviously, yes. Obviously, yes. But are we going to have the will to exclude, or are we going to have the will to embrace? Where is our intention going to lie? I think that's, that's the question. See, I, I love this, you know, the way the Bible starts. You know, the Bible starts not with original sin. This is a stock sermon, by the way, here in New Church Live. The Bible does not start it with original sin. That's chapter three. <laughs> it starts with chapter one, original blessing. Can we listen to these words, God creating things, saying good, very good. Can we take God at his word and grow? Can we take God at his word? It's good, it's very good and make a decision to grow. You can just see faith right there, right? You can see how faith can start to, to shape that. And that, and that again, that, that adds into that, yeah, this open door, like it's actually a decision. And it's actually a decision as we grow because, because I guarantee folks, like if, if your life is all about closed doors, you're doing a lot more judging than you are growing. If your life is about opening doors, I guarantee you're doing a lot more growing than you are judging. This is what we're called to. Like, this is it. And I don't know how to overcome the imaginative theater stuff. I don't. I, that is like, that's such a conundrum. And I think we know that this is it. these beautiful images that we just read. So what then can our resolution become? Where can our, our resolve move to? Well, well, this is a piece of, of, of new church again. Like we have to flip our resolve to goodwill. It's, it's interesting, folks, right? You know, um, I've always been just interested in theology. I don't know why, I just am. I just have been. So I've read stuff like my whole life. And it's so fascinating going back and reading stuff, again, being older, and certain words start to pop out more and more. Goodwill is one of those words. Again and again, it shows up. Like, you, you have to have goodwill. Goodwill's the point. Practice goodwill. Deliver your best intentions on God's behalf. The primary best intention has to be based on goodwill. That is so hard. 
I know in my mind, as soon as I say it, I go like, yeah, I want to practice goodwill, but God, I have my, my but these people list. <laughs> that might be where the call to goodwill is even greater. Not easier, not simpler, but where it might be the greatest. You just think of the image, right? Like, we're not just to hold it in some dreamlike state that there could be this thing that we could welcome onto earth that welcomes all these perspectives, that welcomes 12 gates. Like, we're not just to hold that as a dream. We're supposed to live that dream. We're supposed to make that dream our own. To literally own it. So what might that open door look like? What might that open door way of life look like? I love this sign. I just hope both teams have fun. I like that view. Like, like that's an open door kind of perspective. That it's not about competing teams, though competition's part of it. We can celebrate the beauty of the game whatever that game might be, and just so you know, there was a shout out to all the soccer fans out there. We can just celebrate the beauty of the game. And what might our prayers look like? This is a beautiful prayer out of the 12-step tradition that we are to pray, praying only for a knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry it out. That's very different than God is Santa Claus kind of prayer. That's a very real prayer. Like, God, your will, not mine. God, give me a knowledge, a knowledge of your will. What are you trying to do through me? How do I get out of the way? That was part of the church of Philadelphia. Remember I said where Jesus says, I know you're small and weak. We could translate that humble like I know you're humble. And you got to have humility for this stuff. And then the power to carry it out. Well, power there has a connotation of the word courage. Courage. We know that here in this denomination. We talk about that word a lot, core, heart, age, like pilgrimage, heritage, where we live. Courage is where our heart lives. Allow your heart to live in this place. And then the question becomes, what could our institutions look like? Now, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, in a previous life, I was an electrician for a while and then a teacher for a long time. And this is a famous, famous picture from the Cold War. To the left there, that is Checkpoint Charlie, right in the middle of East and West Berlin. Right, that was sort of like ground zero for the Cold War. It was the borderline. And to the right is Checkpoint Charlie today. I think the world on the right is better than the world on the left. I think the world on the right is better than the world on the left. I think the world on the right is far more what God has in mind and what that dream of what the future can be. Now, now what happens, folks, like, like, you know, thinking about, okay, so as we close this out, kind of where do we get? And the, the words I was thinking of is we end up with a realistic beauty. 
a realistic beauty. We start to see the beauty of life. But if you folks ever thought about this, like I, I just I had somebody mention it, and I thought, wow, that's really good. You know, nature has almost no symmetry to it. Look at a woods, look at a garden. Not all the flowers are the same. Not all the trees are the same. Can't ever step in the same river twice, as the saying goes. There's a realistic beauty of life. And when we make that decision for the open door, we're able to invite it all in. The memorial service yesterday was heartbreaking. And it was beautiful. The baptism today is going to be inspiring. And it's beautiful. That's what the open door where we, can, where we can take these experiences into our life, knowing they're challenging, knowing they're hard, knowing they're beautiful, knowing they're inspired, and knowing that there's the 12 gates and somehow we've got to make the decision for the open door. Decision, and then we need to live there. And every bit of a certain part of us is going to want to close the doors but they're not ours to close. They're not ours to close. They're God's to keep open. God, just give me a knowledge of your will, your way, and the power to carry that out. Now, for churches, does that create perfect churches? No. Here's these beautiful words from Rachel Held Evans. The church, and I think this is all churches, and again, I would go way beyond just a Christian denomination here. The church does not offer a cure. It does not offer a quick fix. The church offers death and resurrection. The church offers the messy, inconvenient, gut-wrenching, never-ending work of healing and reconciliation. The church offers grace. In other words, the church offers an open door. We end up with this beautiful place, this beautiful promise. And here I close the service with words from, from Revelation 21. Then I, John, saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice saying, look, God's dwelling place. Think open door, light always on. God's dwelling place is now among the people. The people. Not a select group. Is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his God. And God himself will be with them and will be their God. Emmanuel, God with us. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the former things, the old order of things, has passed away. So as we close, folks, this series, Searching for a New Sunday, let's just really keep an open door. 
What does that decision look like for you today? What does it look like for you that week? What does it look like for your life? And just create the space for God to be there. Praying just for a knowledge of his will and the courage, the courage to carry that out. Amen. What we're going to do now, folks, is we're going to close the service with a prayer, the Our Father prayer, a blessing, and then in honor of letting love open the door, I bet you can't guess what our last song is. So with that, please join me in a prayer. So Lord, thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, thank you for these souls. Thank you for these amazing people, each bringing their own perspectives and values and grace to this little congregation. Thank you, Lord, as well for what we share, for the true north that we communicate one to another. Thank you, Lord, for the 12 gates. Thank you for all the different ways we can come to know you and come to see you and come to be with you and come to see each other, come to know each other, come to be with each other. Bless our ways, Lord in the week ahead. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and upon us here in Philadelphia and bring us peace and bring us home. Amen.